eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. Baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. How is it going, everyone? And welcome to a brand new episode of Inside the Ravine. Joining me, as always, my co host, Josh Schaefer. Josh, you just got off a very, very important phone call, so I'm glad you were able to sneak in some time to uh, record this quick episode, so I appreciate you wrapping up that call. How are things over there in beautiful Ontario this morning? It was good. The call was a little bit longer than anticipated, but I think um, we we got done everything we needed to. But yeah, you know, it's been a little uh, it's been a little cloudy here in, in Southern California the last couple of days. It rained on my way home from work yesterday, on my way into the office today, um, so... I'm kind of in on that a little bit because it was warm last week, but you know what? Um, the Dodgers have been kind of up and down a little bit recently, so maybe that's where you see the the cloud coverage coming in. Um, but hopefully there's, you know, some sunny days on the other side of things and uh, a couple of big series coming up for the Dodgers. Yeah, I mean, yesterday for the 1 o'clock game, me, my dad, my uncle, we were in talks of going to the game, and we saw the weather outside and we're like, we're good. I, I think we're going to pass. And even today, I was out on my morning walk, and it starts drizzling. I'm like, okay, it's probably going to pass after 5 to 10 minutes. And I'm like 30, 45 minutes in, and it's not passing. So I'm like, well, I'm going back home because I do not want to be out here as it's just drizzling rain. So yeah, maybe as the sun comes out, maybe things will get better for the Dodgers, more so with their pitching staff, which is what we're going to kind of talk about in today's episode. But before we talk about the latest series and all that kind of fun stuff, make sure you guys follow the show on whatever sort of social media app you guys use. We're on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at Inside the Ravine. You guys can also watch our full episodes over on YouTube. Just search Inside the Ravine. And you guys can listen to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the odyssey app so josh uh, last time we talked was after the weekend series in tampa bay dodgers come back home they take care of the first two games against the nationals they lose game three kind of a back and forth game a really weird game uh by the dodger standards because they did a lot that they should have won but you can't win them all they still take two out of three from the nationals and although the nationals aren't like you know the oakland a's this is a team that we were kind of talking about. You probably should sweep, probably get some momentum going towards the series against the Yankees. They don't do it. And overall, I mean, 
I, I know a lot of people want to shift the blames for Wednesday's loss. You can go towards the offense. You can go towards the pitching. If you score six runs, you likely really should win the game. Dodgers also, I think, stole six bases for like the second time in franchise history. So the offense did do enough. It was the pitching that really cost them. Josh, we're going to kind of get to like the big talking point in a second. But just again, the reason the Dodgers lost was the fact that their bullpen came in and just completely once again fell apart at the end. Bruce Dragradwell allowed three runs in that eighth inning. Phil Bigford came in for the ninth, allowed two runs. And it seems like, Josh, I mean, this is something we've talked about numerous times about how we always thought the Dodgers' strength this season, I think even before the season began, we were talking about, like, what's the one thing you can count on? We each said the bullpen, and the bullpen continues to just disappoint. It's been awful. And at this point, outside of maybe Evan Phillips and Caleb Ferguson, I don't think there's a name coming out of that pen right now that I trust even in a three-run lead at this point. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, you know, Ferguson comes in after Syndergaard um, started uh, on on Wednesday, and he comes in and he throws a clean inning, you know. Uh, one inning, his ERA is down to 135. Like, Ferguson is the guy that you can rely on, the only guy that's not named Evan Phillips. And after that, I mean, the Dodgers roll out. Vessia, Gratterall, Bickford, and this is after a Cindergard start. And I'm not trying to, you know, pour salt in the wound or sound, you know, pessimistic or anything, but 10 runs when those four guys are pitching for you is not the most shocking thing at this point. And you know what? Vessia started the inning a little bit rough um, and then bounced back with two strikeouts, got out of it clean. Um, obviously he's only been back up for two games and this was after, you know, the, the home run on his first pitch the other night, first pitch back in the majors. Um, but look, I mean, the thing with, with Bickford and Gratterall is that other than the fact that Bickford's numbers are not very good and he seems to get knocked around every time he pitches, except for obviously that one game against the twins, the 13 or the 12 inning game, I would say 13. I don't know what I've said that like six times on this show. I said it like four times in the episode immediately following that game and the 12 inning game, he came out in that first inning was Awful, right? Awful. And then pitched the next three and didn't allow another run. It was incredible. But the thing with Bickford and Gratterall is that those two guys play with fire every time they come out. And Bickford's, Bickford's numbers, after playing with fire, are not good. Gratterall comes out, and it's a roller coaster every single outing, but he gets out of it every single time. And you know what? This time, he just didn't. Three runs, none of them are earned. And if we're being completely honest... This this is an outing that doesn't affect his ERA because they were all unearned runs. But they're all unearned because of an error that he committed. Like, you just have to take the easy out in these situations. I mean, you got a little dribbler up the first baseline. There is no reason for him to make some diving Derek Jeter-esque throw all the way across the infield to second base. The out's right there. And you know what? Then he gets the next two outs. And then somebody comes up and delivers and brings all the runs home. And, like, that's just what we get is every – when the bullpen is tasked with shutting it, shutting the game down, and it's not Caleb Ferguson and it's not Evan Phillips, it's a roller coaster, and you don't know what you're going to get. Um, and you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday, like Yancy Almonte's had a few better outings, but it's like, when is that going to really culminate in consistency? Because right now, it's not there for really anybody. Yeah, one I, I wrote about this in the article yesterday that I did, and I, I put that honestly. The biggest reason the Dodgers lost was that blip from Gratterall in the eighth when you're literally taught in Little League, get the easy out at first. He tried to be, like you said, Derek Jeter, try to get the out at second. Obviously, 
he would have gotten three outs, gotten out of the inning, and said the Nationals hit a three-run home run, they take the lead. So, Gratterall's a weird one because, yeah, on the season, those runs were unearned. 1.90 ERA, you know, he has a FIP of 2.73, a 1.10 whip. Like, those are all really solid numbers, but for some reason, I just... He doesn't feel like a high leverage guy. Like, I just don't trust him when he comes into games. And I guess he's just maybe gotten really lucky this year. But yeah, Phil Bigford, Josh, I, I tweeted this yesterday. And if you take out Phil Bigford's heroic game against the Twins when he went 12, not 13 innings, uh, his ERA on the season is 7.83. I mean, he, that's that's horrendous. I mean, that's, we have a large enough sample size. He's been horrible. And even last year, I mean, obviously a couple years ago is when the Dodgers brought him in and he was fantastic. Last season, I mean, Phil Bigford posted, what, an ERA just under five? So this is two seasons of back-to-back, just Phil Bigford not being a great reliever. And I get it at this point. The options are really thin. Like, I don't know who the Dodgers really could have turned to yesterday, but it's concerning. I mean, at this point, I do think their bullpen is actually their biggest weakness at the moment because, like I said, outside of Evan Phillips and Caleb Ferguson, I don't know who you trust. Yancey Monty, like you said, he's had four or five really solid outings, but at what point is he going to revert back to what we saw at the beginning of the season? Fessia, you know, he's looked bad since he returned, and Victor Gonzalez, he's a hit or miss. Justin Brule's a hit or miss. Obviously, you've got guys in the minors, so hopefully they have some guys that are able to come back healthy, but yeah, it seems like at the trade deadline, that's going to be the biggest need because uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the bullpen all across the board, they probably are... are all near the absolute bottom when it comes to every stout. So, yeah, Josh, I, I guess just hope the starting pitching can go deeper into games, but the starting pitching, it might not be uh, that much better because something that we, we're we pretty much going to talk about for this episode, and that's Noah Syndergaard. Obviously, we've talked about him a couple times this year, but it's gotten to the point now where I just don't know how the Dodgers can continue to throw him out there. Obviously, with the number of injuries currently in the starting rotation, they have no choice. But another bad start yesterday, Josh. Goes five innings, allows five runs on seven hits, only strikes out two. Uh, ERA on the season now is 6.54. That is the worst in the National League, one of the worst in all of baseball. His whip is 1.40. Opponents are hitting 303 off of him, which is the worst in all of baseball among starting pitchers. So... By all accounts, again, you can look into many as many different numbers and metrics and stats as you want. Noah Syndergaard has been one of the worst two to three starters in all of baseball. The Dodgers continue to throw him out there. Josh, if you take out his one start against the Brewers when he only went one inning, the Dodgers did win that game, but I'm not going to count it. The Dodgers are three and seven when Noah Syndergaard starts a game. Three and seven, and you know this is a team that is fighting for a, a first place spot in the division and he is straight up losing you games and the only reason the Dodgers have three wins in those three wins um, by Syndergaard the Dodgers offense scored eight runs six runs and nine runs so the offense showed up if it wasn't for the offense showing up he could potentially be one and eight so Josh I, I do have his post game quotes from yesterday but before I get to those and we kind of again dive more into Syndergaard just what are your thoughts on you know, the state of him in the starting rotation after two months now. Yeah. I mean, the experiment just kind of needs to come to an end and, and look like the two of us had talked after the signing in the off season coming in, that this was something that we were kind of like, Whoa, what? And then, then started thinking maybe it's going to be the Tyler Anderson factor or the Heaney factor, just working with a guy like Mark Bryan, maybe it was going to work out and maybe it was going to be a steal of a deal for the Dodgers. And right now it's not. 
the experiment needs to come to an end. I mean, he, he's not making that much money. Um, and the Dodgers continue to thrust him in the situation. The, the, the problem right now is that Gavin Stone is not ready. Guys like Pepio are still out. And then obviously you have the big names that are out. Julio, Dustin May, and then obviously Walker Bueller is going to be out for what we assume to be most of the season, if not all of it. But right now it seems like up until this point it has been Cindergard needs to pitch and he needs to eat innings. And you know what? I've said this about some of the guys that are in the batting order and getting ABs. Look, keep getting them ABs and they will break out of the slump. You know, I, I said that early on about Max Muncy and about how we both said he needed to be moved down in the lineup. Obviously, some people are like, DFA, and it's like, come on. yeah, Move him down in the lineup, let him get some ABs. I said before, like, you hope Chris Taylor comes around once he gets more ABs and things like that. But right now, like, the innings, I, I don't think Syndergaard's going to get better with innings. Like, it's just not happening right now. And I think that in the grand scheme of things, when, when, when the Dodgers get healthier at the front end of games with their pitching staff now, I think, I think time runs out on Syndergaard's time in the rotation he's probably going to be moved back to the bullpen, um, you know, at the absolute least. Um, and I think that the Dodgers, when they, when they get these guys back, that has to be the move because the experiment at this point has run its course. There has been no signs of improvement. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I mean, the situation itself sucks, but I think the thing that sucks more is the fact that Noah Syndergaard has pretty much accepted the fact that he sucks. I mean, it'd be one thing if he was, you know, trash and he was going out there and kind of just, not really caring, saying, yeah, I'm just not getting lucky. The the results or whatever, I'll get them next time. Like, every time he has a post-game interview, like, you could just feel for the guy. And obviously, a lot of these guys, they could just kind of brush it off and move on. But no, he, like, answers the questions. And his post-game presser from yesterday, there was a quote that came out where I was like, man, there's no way he actually said this. Someone just probably, you know, tweeted something. But I watched the clip. He said it. Uh, Josh, it's just under a minute long. So first off, just listen to what he has to say. But I think another thing to pay attention to is just listen to how just dejected he sounds. Like he sounds completely, completely just done. Like he just sounds demoralized. Like his season is over. So uh, just listen to this clip from his uh, start yesterday. Uh, yeah, I was trying to, to make those adjustments, but just uh, you know, trying to make these big adjustments during starts or in between starts just isn't. Uh, the easiest, you know, I'd give my hypothetical firstborn to be the old me again. Um, I'll do everything possible to, uh, to get back to that. It's just, uh, you know, I mean, it, it really sucks. Like right now, I just feel like I'm the only weakest link on this team. So uh, yeah, it's just, I want to go out there and compete and, and be successful for the, the, the other guys in this clubhouse, but uh, it's just not working out. I mean, Doc's just a tremendous leader. Um, the presence he has in this clubhouse, um, I think we're all extremely grateful for and, and really benefit from. Um, and it's just nice having um, him having my back. The dude sounds like his puppy just died. Or, you know, he's like a high schooler that's told you'll never play baseball again. I mean, I know a lot of people say he's making $13 million, like blah, 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 but you could tell that he genuinely cares. Like, he is frustrated that he is just not able to figure it out. The dude said, I will give up my hypothetical firstborn child if I could go back to the way I was. <laughs> I mean, Josh, 
I, I say a lot of things when I'm watching. I don't, don't want to laugh, watching... laugh, but it is an insane quote. I mean, that is an insane yeah. soundbite. And I think he mean. I mean, he yeah. means it too. Like he would do anything to be like the Syndergaard of old. I mean, I, I can't even imagine what it's like to be at the top of your game, throwing a hundred. You know, receiving Cy Young votes to now, where you are the worst pitcher in all of baseball. Yeah, money aside, like that just has to be such an awful, awful thing to go through just on a personal level where, again, I, I feel for him. That's what kind of makes this whole situation worse where he, he knows. Like, he knows he sucks. Dodgers fans, they know he sucks. Dave Roberts probably knows he sucks. But, like, we've talked about, at this point, there's just nothing the Dodgers can do. And I guess for at least a couple more weeks, got to just throw him out there and just hope there's going to be some breakthrough and he's able to somehow turn things around just a bit. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is tough because you do feel for him and you do want to root for him. At the same time, I, I, he knows it, man. Like, he's not running from any of this. Like, he, he, he knows what it takes to go out there and win. He's just not getting it done. Um, and you feel bad for him. But I, I would love for the Dodgers to, first of all, get a little bit of – you know, an improvement out of him. Obviously you want something to improve at the same time, like would love for them to find a spot for him in the bullpen, because look right now, like maybe that's where he fits best as the season goes down or as we get down the line of the season, because bullpen's not getting it done either. If you could throw him out there for an inning later in games or use him as a long reliever or something like that, maybe that's a better fit for him at this point to get back to where he wants to be and where he needs to be. But right now, the Dodgers don't have that as an option. Yeah, one thing we talked about in regards to him moving to the bullpen, you can't really have him as a high leverage guy just because he doesn't strike anyone out. But one thing I, I did suggest, you can maybe use him like in that long man kind of role where you have him in the bullpen mm-hmm. and you only use him if your starter gets pulled after a couple innings and you need a guy to come out of the pen and eat innings or it's the seventh inning and you're up by eight runs. Then you can bring him in, then he has a spot in the bullpen. But outside of that... I mean, you, you clearly can't continue to throw him out there in the starting rotation. It does sound like, and Dave Roberts did have an interesting quote yesterday. He was pretty much asked, like, do you think Noah Syndergaard is going to make his next start in Cincinnati next week? And Dave said, I don't know. The hope is that he does start. Right now, I just don't want to answer that question. Rarely does Dave Roberts ever kind of just throw a player under the bus like that. Normally, he would say, we expect Syndergaard to be out there. Like, yeah, even Dave is like... I don't know what to do with him. Now, the Dodgers are in a good position because they have an off day today. They have an off day on Monday. So if they want, they could technically rework the starting rotation, not have to worry about using him next week in Cincinnati. And then the following series, when they're in Philadelphia, I think the expectation is that Julio Urias is going to be activated off the IL. Maybe Julio can take Syndergaard's spot in the rotation. And then, yeah, you can... Put him in the bullpen, see what happens. Maybe give him one of those little phantom IL stints where he can take a couple weeks off because at that point, it seems like it's bullpen or nothing, Josh. And I know a lot of people are going to say, you can't just DFA him, you can't waste that kind of money. Well, the D-backs are spending $35 million to not have Madison Bumgarner take the mound for them. The Dodgers are spending $22 million to have Trevor Bauer pitch in you know Japan. At this point, I think he signed for $13 million, so I think they would owe him maybe something like 8 to $9 million. That's not a lot of money to eat up, and at the end of the day, that might be the best option for the Dodgers, but yeah, it has to it has to be soon. Like, maybe one start, maybe two starts at the absolute most before you have to make a decision, but yeah, if I were to guess, if they want to keep him around, it has to be bullpen, or if not that, 
Sorry, Syndicard. Um, off you go. DFA. Hopefully, you figure it out somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, it's just, again, you want to feel bad for him. But at the same time, this is a business. And the Dodgers are in the business of trying to compete for a World Series. And before you do that, you have to win a division title. You have to get into the playoffs. You have to win baseball games. And right now, he's not helping him do that. Yeah. Like I said, they're 3-7 and seven in the games he starts. The division race is going to be pretty, pretty nuts this year. So hopefully for his sake, he figures it out because the dude genuinely cares. He wants to be better. He feels awful. So hopefully that situation can be resorted out and the Dodgers can turn things around with him there. We are going to take a quick break. But Josh, when we come back, something I didn't prep you for that I'm interested to hear your thoughts on. Uh, a little, A little discussion on the division race moving forward in the NL West. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. All right, we are back from break. We're going to wrap things up with a quick little discussion I would like to have with Josh. Now, Josh, coming into the season, a lot of people, myself included, were expecting the San Diego Padres to be right on the Dodgers' tail. Now, they still can. You know, there's still plenty of baseball left to be had. But last I checked, I think the Padres are eight games back of the Dodgers, so they're currently not in the race right now. It's another team that is right on the Dodgers' tail, a team that no one was expecting, a team that we talked about prior to the season, who we, th- we had as a potential wildcard team, but not a threat in the West, you know, entering June. So the Arizona Diamondbacks, as of right now, I believe are half a game out of first place. Again, we're recording this just after 1 p.m. on June 1st, and I think they're playing right now. So if they win, they're tied for first with the Dodgers. If they lose, they're one game back of the Dodgers. As of right now, they're losing to the Rockies. So a lot of things can happen. But at the end of this episode, the D-backs are going to be right there. Josh, by any chance, did you happen to see what the Arizona Diamondbacks Twitter account uh, posted yesterday? Yes, yes, I did see that. It was very interesting. Yeah, well, here it is right on the screen right here. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can check it out right there. And uh, for those that didn't see it, you can either go to the uh, D-back social, or if not, I'll just describe it to you. Josh, I, I'm going to try my best to describe this. It would be like a gray blob of a man with the Dodger logo on him. Looks pretty happy because he's about to uh, get a big yellow ball that says NLS lead. And then the photo behind or the photo below it, it shows him now all of a sudden kind of sweating it out with a uh, bigger pink blob holding him wearing an Arizona Diamondbacks hat. So the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks, a team that's been kind of going through it the last couple of years, they've had do two good months. They're getting a little excited. And I wanted to talk about this, Josh, because a lot of Dodgers fans that are kind of maybe new to the whole fan base, they might not know, but before Dodgers fans could not stand Padres fans... Go back a couple of years, and the D-backs were the organization that fans, us personally, could not stand. We were in Arizona in 2017 when the D-backs had that good year. They made the playoffs. The Dodgers faced them in the first round. Josh, you can confirm this. 
their fans that entire season, but especially during that playoff run, were insufferable because they thought the little brother is no more. We're finally going to compete with the big boys. Here we are. And clearly that went nowhere because the Dodgers swept him, but that kind of fell off, you know, a little because they went on to suck. The Padres became good, but like the D-backs, Bali Sports West accounts, they would always tweet a bunch of stuff at the Dodgers, a bunch of, you know, all the people that cover the team, they would kind of do the same thing. And it was kind of like emerging as this little annoying rivalry. Well, Josh, it's been about five or six years, but it looks like that little annoying rivalry might be returning because the D-backs have been good for two months. Uh, yeah, it definitely could be. You know, we have some very close friends of ours that are big time D-backs fans. My girlfriend is a huge D-backs fan. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was definitely like, uh, I, I will say like D-backs fans view the Dodgers as their number one rival. Pretty much all Phoenix or Arizona sports teams do like, you know, U of A fans can tell me if I'm wrong here, but you know, we both went to ASU, and, like, it seems to me that after U of A, the two teams that you hate the most are USC and UCLA. It seems like Utah for ASU fans is up there now, as we know for obvious reasons on the ASU fandom side of things. But, like, ASU fans seem to hate USC and UCLA more than anybody other than U of A. And it's the same thing for U of A. After ASU, it seems like it's UCLA and USC. For Phoenix Suns fans, a lot of times it feels like the Lakers and – you know, for D-backs fans, it seems like it's the Dodgers. And for the Cardinals, it a lot of times seems like the Rams. And it's like, that's just kind of how it is. It's kind of like that city-to-city rivalry. And there are probably a lot of different reasons why it could be like that. Um, but, um, you know, that's just kind of how it seems to be between Phoenix and L.A., where Phoenix does not like L.A. for whatever reason. And there might be a lot of reasons behind it. But, now that they've been good again, that's kind of where it's stemming from because, hey, maybe we're not in first place, but we're right there. And we've been suffering for a little while, and now we're right there. And you know what? To the D-backs credit, head-to-head, they've been better against the Dodgers this year than the yep. Dodgers have been against the D-backs. So by all means, like be excited about that. But um, here we go. Um, the unfortunate thing for both the Dodgers and the D-backs is up to this point the rest of the season – you're going to be responsible for winning your own games and you're going to hope that the other, that your opponent loses elsewhere. But at the same time, there's not many head to head games remaining. So you're not going to see much Dodgers D backs for the rest of the season. There's only two games left. I think because we had two, four game series to start the year and there's one, two game series left. And that's where we're at, right? Like they're not going to play each other at all. So you got to take care of your own business and then, you know, maybe you'll meet in the wild card. Yeah, first off, I, I just want to say, I, I do like the meme that they posted. I wish the Dodgers account would post more stuff like that, because anytime accounts post funny things like that, I think it's great. Like, I'm, I'm all for that kind of banter. I wish, if anything, the Dodgers would kind of, like, give it a reply or something like that. So, yeah, I'm looking at the schedule right now, Josh, just because I want to see. So the Dodgers and D-backs play two times in Arizona in the middle of August. They then have a three-game series at Dodger Stadium at the end of August. And, yeah, I think that's it. So, technically, yeah, two series. Oh, so it's five games left. So, five games. So, that's still very minimal. And the D-backs do have the head-to-head, which, at the end of the year, could be a very, very important thing to have. So, yeah, it's been two months. 
We'll see if this D-backs team is legit moving forward, but I just wanted to kind of bring it to the attention of Dodgers fans that now we obviously know that we live in the Padres' heads rent-free like that, but D-backs fans and the organization is probably thinking, we got this. Like, we're right in the thick of things, so they're going to be thinking about the Dodgers a lot, so just keep that in mind, that not only do you have to worry about the Padres, you have to worry about the D-backs as well, because they're coming, they're close, and uh, it's going to be fun. I, I think it makes it more fun as well. I think it makes the season more fun when you have more teams that are going for it, more teams that are competing, more teams that are in the hunt. And again, it's going to make those five games they play in August like 10 times more valuable because you only play them a handful of more times. You want to have that head-to-head record. And at the end of the day, uh, it might this division might come down to a game or two. So I just wanted to, th- to share that with you, Josh. Again, I'm sure you probably saw it. Your girlfriend probably shared it with you, thought it was the greatest thing ever. And like I said, I, I thought it was funny. I-, I like memes like this. Give me the memes. But they're the coming. poor Rockies, man. The poor Rockies. Yeah. Like, they haven't been very good in a while. But also, like, the Dodgers and the Giants don't like each other. The Padres don't like the Dodgers. And after a few years, especially after last year, now Dodgers don't like the Padres. The D-backs don't like the Dodgers. The Dodgers think the D-backs could be annoying when they're good. And the Rockies are like, yeah. Yeah. I just had to Google who is the out. Rockies' rival. And according to Wikipedia, it's sometimes considered to be the D-backs just because they're the two newest teams in the division. But, again, I don't know any D-backs fan that's like, yeah, I hate the Rockies. So. We all just we all love the Rockies. Hey man, they're sitting there. Ten they're games really, out. They really are hard to hate though. Just even even when the Rockies are good, I feel like I've got nothing against the Rockies. Who has yeah, something against whatever. the Rockies? No. Yeah. No. No one. No one. So hey, there you go. Deal with the Padres, deal with the D backs, yeah. even potentially deal with the Giants. They're only five and a half games back. But Josh, that does wrap up this week's episode of Inside the Ravine. We got the Yankees coming into town for three. That's going to be a fun series, so I'm sure there's going to be a lot of overreactions after that series. It's going to be fun because I believe we get Clayton Kershaw. I think we get Bobby Miller on Sunday Night Baseball, so this is going to be a fun series. The Yankees are playing great. The Dodgers are playing great, so make sure to stay tuned for that next episode. Josh, before we part for the episode, any uh, any final words, thoughts, concerns, dreams, aspirations on your end? Hey, Michael Grove getting a start this weekend? Maybe. Uh, That's true. I don't know. Maybe this is a really important start for Michael Grove going forward, because if he goes out and shows out like maybe going forward, he's that next guy that's in the rotation and not just slotted in for the time being. I'm not saying he's going to go out there and steal Dustin May's starting job, but obviously we talked about somebody else on the show that's maybe not going to be starting much anymore. Or that's been the discussion, like maybe Michael Grove is the next guy you slot in. Maybe. There's there's two reactions from it, Josh. Either he's fantastic and he go, okay, the rotation is saved, he's taking Syndergaard's spot, or things don't go well and you're thinking, yeah, we're in a dark place moving forward. But as always, you guys can listen to the show wherever you guys get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the Odyssey app. You guys can find us on social media at Inside the Ravine, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. You guys can find us there. For Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. Thank you guys so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. And as always, enjoy the rest of your day wherever you may be.